You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good evening, Orange and Truthers. Your Jern Hare Stadium time is 8.27 p.m. Eastern. We're in Central Time. But uh, tonight we have an extra special treat for you. We're a little late. I apologize. Uh, my name is Ryan Starrett, at Ryan S. Starrett on Twitter. And the S is for show host, because Crow and Chief are busy with other things tonight. Basketball game pushed us back to Tuesday, and then technical difficulties pushed us back to today. And since I'm assuming they're off doing dad things, I called in some help for this week. On one end of this Skype call is the best damn crew specialist on the Auburn internet. He does it all for free. AU nerd. How's it going? Is this your first actual episode, nerd? I know we did one that never actually got released. No, I did that, I did that one with you and okay. uh, Crow. Oh, I can tell right. it left yeah, a we... meaningful impact on you. <laughs> no, was... and, uh, when Chief was on paternity leave, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on the other end of the Skype call, I have the man who writes thousand-word basketball articles in his sleep, Nashville's best Auburn blogger, Dr. Will McLaughlin. Long live headband Samir. <laughs> <laughs> Looking better every game. <laughs> I think he's got a little more Bryce than uh, Horace in him. Yeah, just just a bit, yeah. <laughs> I know he doesn't like that, but that's that's a thing now. So. Yeah, he's, he's going to have to live <laughs> with it. He, uh, yeah. he put it on, and it's never coming off. It's going to be the most reluctant headband wearer of, <laughs> of Auburn basketball history. I'm fine with that. I mean, if you're right. going to score 53 points in two games with it on, you're going to keep it on. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's playing like a <laughs> SEC first-teamer right now. I know we're, we're five games in, so it might be a little bit early. But uh, I'm going to stick with that. That's going to be the narrative this year. <laughs> Samir Dowdy, first-team All-SEC. All right, we got a lot to talk about tonight because we're kind of doing two episodes. So since I've got my extra special guest tonight, um, we're, we're going to do football. We're going to do basketball just like normal. Uh, these guys will be a little more on track than uh, my usual co-host. Uh, so we'll get through that. And then we're going to talk recruiting. So both of these guys are, are kind of our uh, recruiting specialists on the site. Uh, you know, AU Nerd writes the, the best Auburn football recruiting. And again, all for free. Don't have to pay for it. And uh, Will crushes our basketball recruiting, all of our basketball content, really. I mean, game previews, countdowns, uh, recruiting, you name it. So we're going to try and get through all of that. Uh, we'll see how long it lasts. And if you guys like it. It'll be here all night. All yeah, night, maybe. We might be. But, uh, yeah. yeah, if you guys like this content, we might do more recruiting episodes down the road. We'll see. We're kind of trying this out tonight. Uh, I'm not replacing Crow and Chief. Don't worry. You'll still get your songs. There can only be one chief and crow. Let's be honest. There you go. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's do the dirty work first. Let's talk football. We've had a few days to decompress. You know, kind of sit with it a little bit. How do we feel about the uh, the loss of Georgia? Well, 
deflating is probably a good word. A good word to to say. No, I mean I think uh, that was the one that I thought he would get. I, I really did think that was the one Auburn would get. Uh, mainly because I didn't see Georgia's defense being able to have much success, and they didn't. The problem is they had – or Georgia's offense having much success against Auburn's defense. The problem is they had just enough success. That that blown coverage – a blown coverage, a poorly taken timeout, uh, and everything else is three and outs, so, uh, which makes it extra frustrating to hold a team under 300 yards, uh, yeah. still give up 21 points – they, they had three scoring possessions and all three turned into touchdowns. It's just, it was, uh, to me, it was peak Auburn, Georgia right now. That was like yeah. the most Auburn, Georgia game of all. It was gross and it was ugly. And Bo Nix was probably the best offensive player in this game, as weird as it is to say. Uh, 30 for 50, but 250 yards or so, which is as much as the entire Georgia offense. Um, nerd, you already hit on it. They, had three scoring drives, which were 230 of their 255 drive, 255 yards. So they scored, count it, 25 yards on their other 11 drives. That's insane work by the Auburn defense. Um, unfortunately, it took three quarters for the offense to get going. And I think uh, Auburn held Georgia to two yards total in the fourth quarter oh, as well, which makes don't, it even. Don't tell I know. Me that. I know. That's that's demanding. I think. I think for me, the, the most maddening thing is this Auburn defense has not given up more than 24 points in a game, and they've got three losses on there. Yeah, that's tough. Schedule. It's, it's, it's tough to think about. You know, uh, Auburn's offense, a little too, little too late. Uh, you can't get in a 21 nothing hole at home. And, well, and the uh, thing was, it's, it's not like they were god-awful up until that point. I mean, they weren't playing well, but against Georgia's defense, they were doing some things. I mean, the first drive, they got in a field goal range. Didn't make the field goal. Um, they had a, another good drive when Bo fumbled it away. Um, I mean, they, they were doing things to keep you in the game. But as we've seen against some of these better defenses, when it's a guy like inside the 40, it just didn't work. Yeah, they just couldn't get the explosive play. And that was really – that's uh, against, against team a defense like Georgia, you're not going to be able to march the ball down the field consistently. I mean, you look at the, how Georgia got – got their points one of them came on like you know a, a busted coverage that they took advantage of Auburn needed something like that to, to shake it loose uh and it just didn't happen it felt like every single time they got past the 50 they would get in that kind of no man's land between the 50 and the 35 yard line and it, there was a fumble there was just uh they bogged down uh failed to get any uh you know conversions and then the rest of the game the really the I thought I thought George's punter was uh, a huge had a huge impact on the yeah. game because he kept Auburn pinned deep, kind of like the, I think it was LSU, where it was a similar standpoint where they spent most of the most of the game trying to come out from the ten yard line. Yeah, as good as the Auburn defense has been, it's crazy that our our offense seems to start with inside their own twenty, inside their own ten, as often as they do. Um, I mean, they this Georgia punter Kamarda had over fifty yards per punt on eleven punts. I know there was one of them that I think he punted from like the, the, his own 30 and put us on the five yard line. Yeah. And, and I didn't feel like, you know, some, there's sometimes those, those happen and you go, you know, it's on the return, man. He's got to step up and make the catch. There really wasn't any that no. I felt like Tut made a poor decision on, you know, he was doing what you're supposed to keep your heels on the 10. And if it goes over your head, ignore it. And yeah, they just died right he, there. The Georgia punter just had a hell of a game. There's not really much you can do about it um, besides move the ball more once you have it. Yeah. Um, 
so there, there's there's a lot of frustration. I think everybody was kind of on the edge of the cliff at the end of the third quarter. You know, down 21 nothing, you might get shut out by Georgia. It's not going to be much prettier against Alabama. Uh, I mean, Gus was all but fired at that point, right? Yeah, I, well, yeah. I mean, uh, he was for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you can't in a game like that to have two weeks to prepare and to go three quarters. And uh, I think you made note of it where uh, I know J Dub said it on Josh Dub said it on on Twitter. It, it wasn't necessarily a poor game plan it was just they couldn't seem to there was always a there was either a drop or a or a miss or something that went wrong uh consistently enough to keep them bogged down but again that's all, that's it's coaching like you you, you have to be yeah. ready if you're a top 15 team to execute in a, in a game that you still have a chance to possibly sneak it you know backdoor sneak into the playoffs um yeah i was i was i was pretty done i think i'm most everybody was though i don't think that was <laughs> yeah. the unique well, and that was the frustrating thing, because like you said, the game plan was pretty good. I mean, the, the play calling wasn't bad. Um, we had we had a chance to win. I mean, on, even as bad as everything was before it, you get down to that fourth and two, and if you execute, you might win the game. You're probably going to overtime at least. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure Auburn set the record for most slants run in a game. Yeah, I've never uh, seen that many. That was insane. <laughs> the first quarter. Well, if there was one offensive player in addition to Bo that had a good game, Seth Williams had 13 yeah. catches. I don't think we need to ignore that. He really should have had 14, but uh, do we really want to go there with the, no, the 14th let's, one? let's not. <laughs> but, what, Will, I think that might be your favorite saying is, what is a catch? What is a what catch? What is targeting? What is a catch? Do you know what a catch is? I don't know what a catch is. <laughs> uh, so the, the one thing that uh, – really did kind of drive me crazy though is like we said the game plan worked which if you're all if you're all, if you were the offensive coordinator that's great but you're when you're the head coach it's got to be the game plan and the decisions in the game and uh, there was like four or five of them to me that were just like no gus what are you doing you set it up so well and you're what doing what now i mean i i have one i have them listed here i have one in every quarter uh, in the first three quarters uh, in the first quarter, on the first drive, you've been having trouble kicking all year. Let's bring in Anders Carlson for a 45-yarder. It's forgivable. I mean, you know it's going to be a low-scoring game. Maybe you're trying to get points early. Not what I would have done there. And obviously, it didn't work out, so hindsight worked for me. Uh, in the I second the quarter... Most, sorry. sorry. I think the most frustrating thing with that call was, you know, Anders missed three field goals against Ole Miss. So for me, the confidence, I wasn't really sure how he was going to go. But when a fourth and three in a game where, you know, points are kind of, you know, at a premium. But Auburn had a good opening drive there. And, you know, they could have really set the tone early if they would have gone for it. They may have not gotten it, but I would have loved to have seen them go for it there. And uh, obviously, yeah, I, I think my problem with the decision it. is less of, of the field goal. And yeah, like it's fourth and three. Anders coming off a, a rough game. Uh, you've got the crowd behind you try to set the tone early and be aggressive. Uh, even if it fails, which given the way things had gone, uh, probably would have failed, but at least you're being aggressive. Um, but yeah. So there was that, which again, not, it's not the end of the world. It's just a missed field goal. Uh, those kind of things happen. So then we go to the second quarter and you've got fourth and one on the 37 yard line. You've already missed one field goal. So we're, we're going to go for this one. Uh, 
We know that Georgia's strength is what, nerd? Uh, their defense, specifically their run defense. Yeah. So Auburn's weakness is what, Will? Running. Uh, running the ball up the middle. <laughs> running the ball up the middle. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't realize you were going to be quizzed today, did yeah. you? Yeah. So on fourth and one, uh, let's try and run the ball up the middle with Booby. Uh, didn't work. You lose 13 yards. Which, I mean, that losing 13 yards, that's on Booby. But the play was never there to start with. Well, yeah, uh, and it, the, the, the bigger problem to me is, like, fourth and one, like, I don't have a problem necessarily with a run call. The problem is, and I think there's, I mean, the screenshot's all over the place. Uh, you're in the wildcat, unbalanced look, and Georgia sees it. I mean, they have seven. It, the play was impossible to work. Like, it was one of those that, and, and for all of the look to the sideline, check with me, let's change the play calls. That's one of those where you say, like, you know. Just call a timeout there. Yeah, or even just say, all right, you know, run, run a counter, run counter the opposite way of, 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 of where the, of where the bodies are at. Now I can't remember. They might've tried to do it out of a sugar huddle. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, that would possibly maybe give them an excuse, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with trying to uh, fourth, go for it. Fourth and one, I think is the right call. I don't have a problem putting it in Booby's hands, but, not like that. It's clearly scouted out. Yeah, it's clear. They've clearly yeah. all over it, and you've got to, you know, somebody <laughs> needs to notice that there's something a problem. Give give Booby the power to even be like, hey, this is probably not going to work. Maybe I should be allowed to cut back or change this play or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think everybody in the stadium knew what was coming, including the Georgia defense, and it they just never had a shot. So misstep there. Uh, let's go a little bit later in the second quarter. Actually, at the very end of the second quarter. With a minute to go, made it 20 maybe, uh, Georgia gets the ball back, second and five from their own 20, 25-yard line, something like that. And the clock's running. You know, this, Georgia was content to run out the half at 14 nothing, or sorry, 7 nothing at this point. And Auburn probably should be happy going in 7 nothing. Well, Gus calls a timeout. Stops the clock. Now, even if you get them to go three and out there, they can still run the clock out. Like, you might have, like, five or 10 seconds. Cause you only had two timeouts. So I'm not really sure what the end game was there, but Georgia says, okay, free timeout. We're going to go for it. And they drive down the field and they score going into halftime. So now it's 14, nothing with Georgia getting the ball back after half instead of being seven, nothing that I think that is the one that everybody's focused on where it's like, Gus, you, you can't do that. It's, it's amateur hour. I know Gus wanted to try to get the ball back and go score, but the way the offense was playing, uh, it's seven nothing. Go to the locker room and regroup. Uh, that was probably of all the questionable decisions, the one that will sting the most going forward. Especially because yeah, you end up losing by seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and and you know I I know there'll be some be like you know people have yelled at Gus in the past for you know I, I remember I think it was either might have been last year's Iron Bowl or. Uh, uh, it's it's happened where, several times. It's where they ha- where he hasn't tried to go for it, and people have said, you know, oh, he's scared or whatever. Um, so you know, some will be like, well, you know, he tried to go for it and it didn't work. You can't be bad on that. But I think but he wasn't going to get the ball back. That's the thing yeah, that drives me crazy. I, well, yeah, and my, and my the bigger point to me is it's like it still shows a disconnect with with what's like the reality of what's going on there. Like uh, a, your offense has been bad. Like it hasn't it hasn't found success uh at all in the first half uh the time like you said isn't working out they weren't even that deep like georgia it wasn't like georgia was on their own 10 
Yeah, the point out of their end zone. Like if they're putting out their own end zone, it makes sense. Force them to do it. Uh, but yeah, that was just that was it's one it's again one of those where you just you just wonder like what is what is he seeing that's different? Like what is he seeing that's different than what everyone else is seeing or, or going through? And I, I don't know. Those are those are the most frustrating. Yeah, at the same time, defense can't give up a touchdown like that. As good as they are, they can't give up a touchdown mm-hmm. on that drive. But uh, yeah, that one that one hurts. That of of the decisions that probably hurts the most. So this is one that irked me a little bit, Nerd. You were uh, talking about punting out of your own end zone late in the third – or maybe middle of the third quarter. Uh, Georgia's got the ball on the five-yard line, on, on their own five-yard line. It's fourth and seven, and Auburn has done nothing in the second half up to this point. You need to spark. You're down 14 nothing. This might be a good time to go for a, a block punt, right? I, I, I get the field position argument. You know, you don't want to make your offense have to go further than it already does. But they're not moving the ball anyways. That's the thing. They're just as likely to gain 50 yards as they are 70 yards. And he's going to, this punter's been, you know, booming it down the field all day. Why do you not go after the punt here? You've got him backed up into the end zone. You've got to take this chance with me. Have we blocked the punt this year? I don't no, think we, we have. We blocked so many last year. <laughs> I think well, we had like well, five or six blocked the, kicks the, last the year. The guy that was blocking all the punts missed half the season, Jordan Peters. He was the one that was banged up. He's been oh. banged up most of the year. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't feel as passionately about this as you do, but I understand. I understand. I understand the argument. Uh, uh, of again, I, it's it's like when to be aggressive, when not to be aggressive. It just seems we're always on the wrong side of <laughs> wrong side of things in those in those scenarios. So, do we, is there anything else we want to hit on from the Georgia game? I mean, we we can sit here and dwell on it all night, and we can. Yeah, the only it. thing I would say is is is. Uh, don't expect what we saw in the fourth quarter that that offense to be what Auburn comes out and runs against Alabama. Don't get your hopes Why up. Not, just, just, just go ahead. We've seen it happen. I remember text. Just go back to A and M last year where they just put it in Jared's hands and let him go. Uh, two minute offense, pass first RPO attack, drive down the field, score two touchdowns. We didn't see it again. So unless unless when Auburn if Auburn's down again twenty one nothing in the fourth quarter, then maybe it'll oh. come back. Uh, so. I don't even want to think about that scenario, especially with <laughs> everything circulating. So regarding Gus, but yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to see the hurry up more consistently, but you know, we'll, we'll see how, we'll see how things go in the Iron Bowl. So we have Sanford this week. Are we, uh, are we worried about these Bulldogs at all? Uh, <laughs> for the record, I think you're going to, there we go. Your boy, I think your boy should get some action. Gotta see uh, Cord Got to get him geared up for the for the quarterback battle. You know, he's, Bo, he's the Bo backup quarterback be, right now. Yeah, Bo may be the starter, but he's going to have to win that position again. So I don't know. I'm just thinking, you know, maybe Cord has a great game here. Maybe transfers for a starting job somewhere else. You know, get some game time. Uh, it would it would be beautiful though if he, <laughs> after all this, if he hit some sort of 60 yard play action pass. Uh, something ridiculous late late in this game, especially with all the talk about Joey never getting thrown the ball. If, if Cord came out and threw 15 times in the fourth quarter, it'd be beautiful. Man, that would be uh, out of left field, if you ask me. Because yeah. three for 14, but but hits like two 60 yard passes. That's my that's my dream. Cord Sandberg. Here's right, here's, here's the question: In this game against Sanford, will Cord have a better completion percentage than his career batting average in the minors? Mm-hmm. What was I'm, look, I'm looking up that number okay. now. It's not high because he never got above double A, so it can't be that high. 
I want to go on a limb and say yes before you even <laughs> look this up. But <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of gives to Harold Joyner in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Cold Sandberg, career 243 batting average. Ooh, okay. All right. So even if he goes one for four, then he beats that. I, I, I'll take that odd, those odds. The base, basically, <laughs> the question is, do you think he'll complete his one pass or not? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well. All right. So I think that's enough football for now. Like I said, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. So let's, go. let's move on. Let's talk about the fun sport. Let's talk about basketball. So we had three games since our last episode. I'm just going to run through them real quick. We'll hit the highlights. Uh, last Tuesday was the Heartstopper, the win versus South Alabama in South Alabama. 70-69. Uh, Okoro uh, had the game winner with the second left. Samir had a double-double, you know, Compared to what he would do the rest of the week, pretty casual night for Samir. Uh, moving on to Friday, CSUN, uh, California State University Northridge. Is that right, I hate, I hate that acronym, by the way. CSUN. CSUN. Nuts. CSUN all game. <laughs> Albert had a nice night on this one, 116-70. to 70. Uh, Samir, 33 points. Just, you know, just takes that uh, countdown you did, Will, and just, yeah, to heck with it. The beginning of the headband, Samir Legend. Yeah. Was that was yeah. that second? Did you say it was second on the would be second on the countdown? So if I were to redo the countdown, that would be second in the last ten years of Auburn uh, highest scoring games. Uh, Bryce had a thirty-four point game against Dayton last year, but yeah, Dowdy's thirty-three wow. would be number two. But he didn't set a school record in that game. Uh, Javon McCormick had sixteen assists, which is a single game record for Auburn. Uh, everybody was kind of putting up points. We'll we'll circle back to it. Uh, and then against the toothpaste, we won 91-62 after a first half beatdown and a second half that was a second half, not not a beatdown. <laughs> uh, so yeah, three games, three wins. Auburn played pretty well against not great opponents, but you know, may, maybe two tournament teams. Um, what do you think? What what stood out the most? And you can't say Samir Doughty because. Of course, Samir Dowdy. I will start with the USA game. Uh, first of all, um, not many Power 5 schools go and play at mid-major schools, and I'm always a big fan when Power 5 teams go and do what Auburn did last Tuesday night, So, and especially with it being an in-state opponent. So I'm really uh, happy and, and proud of Bruce for scheduling that game. I think when he scheduled it, he didn't realize what he was getting into because South has really improved from compared to last year. Uh, under Richie Riley. Uh, I don't know how much longer Richie Riley will be in Mobile, honestly, just because he's, he's a really good coach and he's brought in a lot of really good talent. Well, there um, might be a, another opening in the in the state a little further north based off the way things have gone so far this year. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But no, that was, to me, honestly, you know, Auburn, you know, they built a 14-point lead in the second half and then they just fell apart there down the stretch. They just they couldn't hang on to the ball. They couldn't make three throws and this this was the free throw game it was yeah how what were we in the second like in the last five minutes we were like like two for ten or maybe yeah it was pretty bad i remember they missed at least two front ends of one and ones and if i remember correctly i think we were 12 or 21 from the stripe in that game not good but um the other thing I want to mention is we've talked about Samir we've talked about Okoro but Jamal Johnson uh deserves a shout out because 
Uh, Jamal didn't do a whole lot in the first two games, but he came off the bench in the South game and hit four three-pointers. Uh, he had yeah, 14, 14 off the points. bench. So, yeah. actually, the bench had 32 of the 70 points in the game. Of course, 28 of those were from Jamal and Anthony Macklemore, the, the new papa. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, Anthony, he's, he's playing off the bench, but is he really playing off the bench? Because he's getting more minutes than Wiley right now. <laughs> no, I think I think we were, you know, Wiley and Macklemore, they, they said – you know, they're going to play about 20 minutes a game each, and you're kind of seeing that with – and Anthony's playing a little bit more now, but Anthony's – because I, I think I think Anthony's better coming off the bench than Wiley would be personally, but I, I think I think Anthony's really adjusted well to the, the, the six-man role per se and uh, running with it. What about you, Nerd? Yeah, so for, I think for what's what stood out to me – I know, again, CSUN and uh, Colgate – aren't exactly the the most dominant teams Auburn's going to see, but uh, the way Javon has played uh, in the last two games, I mean, he's got something like, yeah, it's 24 assists and, uh, yeah, three turnovers. That's absurd. I don't Pretty care who ratio. you're playing. Yeah, um, and it, it kind of feels as if in the last two games, now, again, the opponent could have helped with this, but the way the team is playing is different. It feels like, People are starting to find their roles. You know, Javon is is not trying to be a scoring guard. I mean, he can score obviously, but and takes his opportunities. But he seems to be yeah. leaning more into the facilitator role. Uh, Auburn's doing less of of running the offense through Wiley, and instead kind of letting Wiley be the cleanup man underneath, which has been really effective. As a you know, he's putting up close to double doubles all the time with his rebounding. I know he's frustrating when he misses point blank shots or doesn't just dunk the ball every time he gets it. Uh, he's, but he's still, he seems to fit better in that role. And then you've got Samir, who seems to have taken on the mantle of being, I'm going to be the scorer, the, uh, or I'm going to be more aggressive and look for opportunities to score. Uh, it kind of feels like maybe everybody's starting to figure out, you know, I think that was always the talk early on. And I think Bruce talked about it where it was like, may have six seniors or five seniors who, but all of them are in new roles. And it feels like maybe they're starting to find their spot. Now we'll find a lot, a lot more next week, but, uh, I think not just that they've blown them out, it's like how they've blown them out that's been kind of exciting to watch. It feels like people are starting to figure out where they're supposed to. There's still some questions. Like I think Devin Cambridge, Alan Flanagan, Turbo Jones, the young guys, I think they're still trying to figure out where they fit into this. But uh, uh, overall, I mean, it's just – I didn't – I think my biggest fear was like the team just wouldn't be as exciting (laughs) as as it was last you know the last two years have just they've just been fun even in losses they've just been fun to watch and and this team is has been just as fun uh to watch in a different way it's it's not bryce you know uh breaking out and passing up alley oops to bury threes it's watching okoro or flanagan come flying in from the free throw line to to dunk the ball It's, it's been different but it's been just as exciting which is uh which is always which is great uh it's just so much more it's the difference between the enjoyment you get out of watching this basketball team right now compared to watching out of football it's just pretty crazy to me <laughs> well, what's fun with with the way the roster is constructed you know all these seniors they're they're getting their minutes they're playing well you're, you get to be happy for these guys that have put in the work to get to this point i mean none of these guys were day one starters their whole careers you know even with wiley and purifoy they've gone through plenty to get to this point yeah. uh, so you get you're getting to feel good about all these guys playing well and then all these freshmen are coming in like, oh, we, we think they can be good. We don't really know. And in limited minutes, they are just balling out. Devin Cambridge might be everybody's new favorite player. 
uh, he Isaac Okoro to be a lottery pick. Better than I thought it would be. I did not expect Cambridge to be yeah. a to be a shooter. So, so we talked about we talked about this in Slack today. He he might be a sneaky two guard for the team next year because um, when Samir's gone, you could have a guy that's six six and can jump out of the gym and hit threes playing two. Yeah, that would be wild to, to watch. <laughs> to echo your point, nerd, about Cambridge, he's actually six of eleven for three so far this year, and. So that's been that's been really surprising to me to see how how his jump shots developed. Of course, you know the high flying dunks, you know, classic Malik 2.0. <laughs> there <laughs> 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 But the other the other person we, we mentioned him really quick, and I'll mention him really quick. You know, Daniel Purifoy, uh, he's 13 of 29 from three so far this year, and I feel like he's I'll take it. he's you know he's got, you know he's I feel like it's been a quiet uh, 13 of 29. Like he's he's gotten his points, he's gotten his minutes, but uh, I'm waiting for Dangel to really break out and have a couple big games, but you know he's doing what he needs to do as is everybody else, and uh, just just watching this team evolve and grow, it's 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 exciting times for Auburn basketball for sure. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about next week. We've got a Thanksgiving week tournament, not quite as high profile as going to Hawaii last year, um, but next Monday we'll be playing New Mexico. Uh, what what do you know about it, Will? So their Kim Palms right now is at 92. Um, they bad. Bad. started the season 4-0. and They actually lost their first game last night uh, to UTEP by oh, three. Oh, man. Uh, now we can't win uh, land in the Empire's map. Nope. Unfortunately oh, not. Killing Which, me. Yeah. Ghost so of Barbie strikes again. They uh, Actually, New Mexico hit a three from half court to tie it, but they ruled that it was too late or that game could have gone to overtime. So, Ooh. um. But they, they're averaging 87 points a game. Last night's the first night they haven't scored 90 in a game. Uh, they're allowing 73. They've got five players averaging double figures. They're led by Jaquan Lyle, who transferred from Ohio State. He's averaging 19 a game, and he's shooting almost 50% from three. Uh, um, they have a couple other guys that have transferred. Uh, J.J. Caldwell from Texas A&M, uh, Vance Jackson from UConn, and Carlton Bragg, who started his career at Kansas. So they've got a lot of transfers from p5 schools that are making uh big impacts for the lobos okay. where do they stand in the mountain west are they are they a, a tournament team maybe or uh i think i think they might be an nit team uh okay. they picked third i think to in the mountain west this year um utah state is the class of, of that conference i think fresno state was picked second but i think new mexico is in that three to four range this year they'll definitely be improved um, New Mexico has a long basketball tradition, and they've been down for several years, but it appears they're kind of on the right track. All right. So if we you know, win or lose, when's the next game? Is it Tuesday? We don't really have to get into that one yet. We'll have another episode to preview that. Yeah. Um, um, so let's turn and, around and, and play one, the next day. Yeah, and one, one, quick, one final quick note on New Mexico. They also played at New Mexico State on Thursday night, so they'll have one more game in, under their belt okay. before they play us. Uh, Tuesday night, they'll play either Richmond or Wisconsin. Uh, Richmond is still undefeated. Uh, they actually beat Vanderbilt in overtime the other night. And Wisconsin is 3-1 and one with an overtime loss to St. Mary's. They, and they beat uh, Marquette on Sunday. So well, Let's hope for uh, Richmond so we can get some land. Important thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what it's all about. So... Um, I think it'll be, and uh, I think I wasn't really thinking much this tournament, but uh, there's two possible quality wins for Auburn in this tournament. So we'll see yeah. how it goes. That's the that's the funny thing is we talked all off season about how oh you know 
there's not any marquee games really on this non-con schedule. It'll be a nice, easy way to kind of get some of these new guys comfortable, get, get the veterans and comfortable in their positions. Uh, but it's a lot of kind of good teams. Not No Duke, no, uh, no Xavier on the schedule. But none of these teams, save for CSUN so far, are going to be bad, bad. Yeah, Colgate, Colgate's picked to win the Patriot League. I, I was really surprised the way Auburn jumped on them the way they did. I really thought that was going to be a much tougher game. Um, I'm surprised they didn't call it at the first TV timeout when uh, Samir <laughs> just ended that guy's life. But All right. I think that's uh, that'll be good for basketball for now. We'll uh, Like I said, we'll probably be recording again next week, either Sunday night or Monday night. So we'll, we'll get some more basketball talk with the guys in there let's get to what we're really here for though like i said we, we've got the cruton specialist here uh cruton's what pays the bills so let's talk about it let's do basketball first uh we we kind of had signing day this past week an early signing day and auburn's got three pretty high profile signings uh, two of them we expected uh one of them committed like kickoff or halftime of the georgia game maybe he doesn't watch football quarter. very much but uh, who, so who all signs for so far, Will? So Auburn officially has on board. The first guy is Justin Powell. Uh, he's a 6'6", 196-pound guard out of Goshen, Kentucky, which is in the Louisville area. Uh, Bruce was on him early. Um, you know, he's been, he's been recruiting him for the last couple of years, but he's kind of flown under the radar. And I think part of re- the reason why is he didn't play last year hardly at all. He transferred to Montverde Academy in Florida and, and ended up coming back, and he wasn't eligible to play for his new high school. So a lot of people really hadn't talked about him or thought much of, of him, but he's a top-rated player in Kentucky, and, and I think that's significant considering the other school in Kentucky. Granted, Kentucky recruits nationwide, and, and why not? Um, but for Even Auburn getting him out of Louisville's Kentucky, backyard, though. I would say, yeah, for Auburn to go into to the Louisville area and get this guy – uh, and he's a really good three-point shooter. He's extremely athletic. Uh, his first game action, he had 31 points. Uh, I think he's going to be a good. I think he's going to be a really good player uh, for Auburn. Um, but he was the first guy to commit and sign. Um, the next you guy. See, is you, the guy. Hold on, before Sorry. we move on, do you have any comps off the top of your head? Does he remind you of anybody? <sighs> I mean, uh, it sounds like he's probably going to be a shooting guard, kind of Bryce Brown style. He's a, Heavy three-point guy, it looks like. Trying to think. A little bigger, though. It's 6'6". It's six, six. I, I don't know why I'm thinking of Tyler Hero, but I am. That's, it's sure. Uh, the, hey, that's the I first think everybody here would be happy mind. with that. The first person that comes to mind. So. I just want to say how wild it is that Auburn could be having a 6'6 uh, six, six shooting guard. Just remember the days when Auburn would run out on the floor. Was that 6'6 center? Like, uh, yeah. You're like, you're like, all right, well, let's hope our 6'0". Point guard or shooting guard can get this ball over that six seven wing uh, his head on the shot. That's pretty wild. He'll probably be the first uh, white scholarship player in a long while for Auburn too. <laughs> so back to uh, Rob Chubb days, maybe. Most I don't know. Like, this, yeah. this is this is before I started yeah. watching Auburn basketball. Rob Chubb, obviously, so uh, pro I chief, think, help me out. I think Jack Purchase was the last scholar. Oh, the Aussie. It, it's Aussie. <laughs> so, I don't know. But yeah, so uh, uh, under the radar kid, but I think he's gonna. He's. I think he's gonna be 
do a good job. So, so the scouting report then is that he's uh, he's a film junkie. He's like a coach's kid type. He's gonna work really hard. <laughs> lunch pail, lunch pail type kid. Uh, all right, who's next? So everybody's everybody the guy that everybody's been talking about the number one target for Bruce Pearl for several years, Sharif Cooper. Uh, Auburn is able to land their point guard for next year. Uh, he is the highest ranked Auburn basketball signee ever. Um, he's expected to be the starting point guard <laughs> next year. And uh, we'll see how things go this year, but he was a high school teammate of Isaac Okoro as well as Stretch. And so maybe Isaac Okoro would come back one more year to play oh, with Oh, fingers and crossed. We can, all, we can all dream, you know. Um, we didn't think Derek Brown was coming back. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, the way Okoro is playing right now, it's going to be hard. I'm hard to see. It's hard for us for me to see he he being back next year, but yeah. uh, he also played with Devin Cambridge on uh, their AAU team, and uh, he's been putting up 30 plus so far this season. Um, he, you know, imagine, a lot of people imagine playing a high school team. I was with just thinking that Sharif Cooper, just, Isaac Okoro, and Stretch. That that's, that's not fair. A, I think. <laughs> I mean well, that 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 three that high school team might have made it the NIT <laughs> when they were in high school. I think they, I think they went undefeated last year. And they had, uh, didn't they also have uh, uh, another kid that used to be committed to Auburn? Didn't they? Didn't they have Jared Jones? Or was that uh, on the A? I don't, I can't remember if he was on there or not. But for some reason, I thought. I'm thinking, way. I'm thinking that. But yeah, so getting getting Sharif was was obviously I think Auburn's number one priority, and uh, now he's officially on board for this year. So. Uh, really excited to see him suit up for Auburn next year. So the guy that committed to us last Saturday, the one we weren't really expecting, uh, kind of last minute, it sounded like everybody started putting in the crystal ball for Auburn. Chris Moore out of uh, out of West Memphis. That, that's a huge get. That is a huge get because his final three was Auburn, Arkansas, and Memphis. Whew. So. Bruce was able to go into Memphis's backyard and uh, and get this kid. Uh, he's a six six. Well, I mean Memphis, you know, they're they're totally above board with the recruiting. <laughs> that, we we know that, right? Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> totally. Honestly, I'm uh, I'm on Wiseman's side on this, but anyways. Yeah, I you know the NCAA is gonna NCAA, but yeah. you never know what they're gonna do. It's literally like they flip a coin when they want to do things. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, 6'6", 220-pound forward. I think he has an op- uh, opportunity to play at the three, three spot next year. And uh, depending on uh, who who leaves and, and who comes in, he might be the starting three. That's just my opinion. But Unless a certain player um, comes back. Yes, of course. Yeah. But uh, I would say that's probably not too terribly likely. But, you know, you never yeah. know. We'll see. I, we, can all, we can all dream. Um, so, but, yeah. So we, we got him out of, our, out of West Memphis, Arkansas. Um, mm-hmm. There's another commit, or another recruit, rather, that is between Auburn and Arkansas that a lot of people have been saying for a while would probably be a package deal with Chris Moore. Uh, what, what do you got there, Will? So Jalen Williams, yes, he's also the other Jalen Williams. The same, the other Jalen Williams, yes. The one there's that's not already on the team. There's a potential for two Jalen Williams on this roster, and they spelled the exact same way. So can we get them? To, the, can we get them to be zero and double zero? <laughs> I know, right? For real. Well, I guess uh, 
I guess Turbo would have to give up uh, zero. But anyway, um, yeah, so Jalen Williams is uh, committing on – actually, he's committing this Saturday uh, between Auburn and Arkansas. Uh, he had planned on going to A&M, but he canceled that visit. He's down to these two schools. He was on the visit with Chris Moore for the Ole Miss game. And like you said earlier, uh, they've kind of talked about playing together. Um I still think he ends up at Arkansas. I feel like he's been a heavy Arkansas lean for a while, but with Chris Moore on board with Auburn, that might change. But I can imagine some people being pretty upset if uh, Jalen Williams picks Auburn over Arkansas. Certain states' fan base probably won't take that very well because they didn't does, take does it. Chris it rhyme with, does, it, does it rhyme with Smogville? Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> you can say that. Um, uh, but yeah. Who else is who else uh, is Auburn targeting right now? And there's one high profile. That, I mean, I think everybody kind of knows they're going to be going after him. And then there's yeah, a couple other guys I, on the list. I think Auburn is all in on Jalen Green right now. He's a top top five prospect. Um, he was originally slated to commit on Christmas Day, but he has backed his commitment date up into 2020. Uh, he visited Auburn the weekend of the Mississippi State game, which was the same weekend that Sharif Cooper committed. And I know that Green and Sharif are close, and I know Sharif's been recruiting Jalen really hard to come play with him. But imagine a backcourt of Sharif Cooper and Jalen Green next year. If, if Auburn had two five-stars in the backcourt together, I don't even know how to, to begin to explain that. I mean, Auburn's never seen something like that. I mean, you're immediately a top-ten preseason team. Um, oh, the, the expectations are enormous next year. Yeah, uh, we thought the expectations were really high last year. I think they would be magnified even more next year if, if Auburn was able to get Jalen Green. But uh, he is uh, between Auburn, Oregon, Memphis, uh, Southern Cal, and Fresno State. And the other thing is he's a California kid. So Bruce and Bruce has made a couple trips out to Fresno to visit him. So. Uh, it's, it's getting a California kid on the, uh, especially of greens magnitude would be pretty significant. Um, we'll see Everybody how this goes. Contact your local bag, man. <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, open up some charities. That might have to somebody may have to pay back towards. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, all right. So, is there, is there anybody yeah. else we're, we're looking at? Will? so we're going to have five or six spots. Yeah. Out, so, with five seniors and potentially a core being a one and done, that would be the sixth spot. So there's three officially on board. Um, I know Bruce said today that he was hoping to get one or two more big men. Um, one of them is Greg Brown, and I know Crow is very high on him because he is from the state of Texas. Um, <laughs> he's from Austin. Uh, he is slated to visit Auburn for the Iron Bowl, Ooh. and I hope that he has as uh, much fun as Walker Kessler did on his UNC visit to commit. But <laughs> hopefully, more. Um, hopefully more. Yeah. Um, uh, but Kessler ended up committing to UNC. It was a long time Auburn lean until then. But anyway, but Greg Brown is. Uh, you haven't really heard a lot about his recruiting. He's been really quiet. I think he's uh, intent on rec- committing after his season. He's got visits lined up to Memphis, Kentucky. And Kentucky in January. He's already visited UNC and, and Texas. He was at Texas for the LSU game. I mean, so those if, are, if anybody gets him out of Texas, that's a coup, right? I mean, even if you're talking oh. about UNC or Kentucky, pulling somebody out of Austin, a big man, I mean, that's going to be really tough to do. 
that, that would that would shock me more than Jalen Green committing to Auburn. I, that would be the, the shock for me. No Why doubt. not both, Will? Why not both? Hey, we can dream. That's what we do here. <laughs> you get all three <laughs> um, of those uh, guys, you're a top three preseason team, I think. Yeah. And one, other, one other guy I want to mention real quick, uh, he visited Auburn for the Kent State game, Clifford Urmuri from New Jersey. Uh, he has Auburn. He has like 13 schools. It's pretty wide open. Top 13. All right. the I love top 13s. <laughs> so, but he, but he did take an official visit to Auburn, and uh, it's still pretty wide open. But he's another potential big guy that Auburn might end up with. Um, but All right. so we got Jalen Williams committing this weekend. So mm-hmm. we'll see where he goes, and then after that, uh, maybe it'll be a little bit kind of quiet on the on the basketball front. Is that right? What it's All looking right. like, yeah. All right, so once basketball wraps up for recruiting, it's going to be football time. <laughs> so that was my, yeah. Christmas is coming soon, December 18th. Actually, so, hang, hang on. I, I joke about uh, football recruiting paying the bills. I forgot to stop for a commercial, so let's go ahead and do that now. Let's uh, Let's actually pay the bills, guys. All right, and we're back. Let's talk about football recruiting. Oof, we can eat this week. <laughs> All right. Oof. Yeah. Weird. It's been about a month since we talked. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's happened? Maybe, uh, well, remember when you were like, hey, can any of these guys be a five-star before it's like the first question? Yeah, there and was I a was certain like, linebacker. I was and I was like, that. oh, actually, there's a perfect candidate that could totally be a five-star signee for Auburn. Well, I'm not going to do that anymore. So don't ask <laughs> me that question anymore. Uh, yes, yeah, so for all of us. The, he might be a five star, but it probably won't be for him. He's de- well. I'll just say this: he's definitely not a five star anymore. I definitely don't think he's got five star kit. Uh, not five star in our hearts. Yeah, he yeah he uh, he slid down my board a good bit after that. Uh, watch this tape now. Uh, yeah, if you hadn't heard, I'm sure most people are aware. Uh, Trenton Simpson decommitted. Um, he was uh, that was a recruitment where he was thought to be a major. North Carolina lean early in the spring, and then he took a official visit to Auburn. I think it was for Big Cat Weekend. Um, he grew up in Columbus, Georgia, so he had always kind of been fond of Auburn, had gone to Auburn games, and Auburn just you know impressed him. He clicked with Travis Williams, committed. He was uh, one of Auburn's more active recruiters online, social media with other recruits, and guy they thought could be a help leader of this class, and then – what happened? Mac Brown got a hold of him. Uh, the season ah. got there, and uh, Mac is doing some work in state right now. If they were already able to pull in Simpson, they will land three the top three players in the state of North Carolina, who are all top 125 players, including a five star defensive end who they beat. I think they might even beat Clemson out for. Um, yeah, so it, it's hard to know for sure what happened. It just seemed to be it was one of those where Auburn couldn't get him back on campus. They got him on for the Kent state game, I believe. And then, uh, they went a whole month where they did not have any home games. Uh, and, and so he was on campus, at, at North Carolina, uh, a number of times and finally stepped away. Now he hasn't committed to them just yet. Uh, Clemson could maybe sneak in there, but Auburn that I don't think he even takes an official visit to Auburn. It, it, it looks like, uh, both sides have parted ways. So that was a bummer. Um, the good news is there was, there was some good news, uh, the biggest being, uh, you know, the big question mark when we last spoke was defensive line, right? You know, Rodney Garner, the closer, he's got this amazing defensive line, you know, 
what's going on with his recruiting. Well, it turns out it just, you know, he's a closer. To close, you have to wait till the very end, apparently. <laughs> he's a, uh, it's, a, it's a nice way to say procrastinator, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, uh, Jay Hardy, uh, top 100 player, defensive lineman out of uh, actually up here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, was, I mean, he was all Tennessee for much of his recruitment. This was a in-state kid, guy that uh, ball fans had 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 uh, pinned as maybe the first domino to fall for a lot of these in-state guys that they're trying to land. And uh, he didn't have Auburn very much on his radar. He, he he took a visit, I believe he stopped by on in the end of July for Auburn's picnic event. He didn't actually come to the event. He came either that Friday or something. Auburn was finally able to convince him to come down from the Mississippi State game, and that was the game changer. He got he came he came down from Mississippi State, loved the environment. He's actually the guy that said when his interview to ask for that he loved how the students throw the ball out of the stadium after an extra <laughs> point. So, no, no matter how you feel about that tradition, uh, if if it's landing top one hundred players, I think keep I think doing he, it. Just let it out. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he he's the exact type of guy Ron Gregory recruits. He's he's um he's let me pull up the size. Yeah, six four, two ninety. Um, big fan Garner, of that. Big fan of that. Yep, Garner likes those guys that uh you know Auburn runs a lot of different fronts. They a lot of they they switch in between out of even and odd fronts. Meaning, Derek one one play Derek Brown's head up on the on the center. The next he's on a three tech on you know the outside of the guard shoulder. You got to be able to do a lot of different things. You got to be able to to play two gap technique or uh, one gap technique. They, they do a lot of different things. And so he recruits guys with size that are strong, that can can do all those different things. And Hardy's definitely fits that mold perfectly. Uh, 247, their, their comp for him is actually Nick Fairley. Um, He's going to make some Georgia fans mad. Quite, which is quite the comp. Uh, I don't – a lot of – the the more common one, and he even he even agrees with it, is the Mar is Marlon Davidson. I think it's very similar. He's he's not going to be a pass rushing threat out of college. I mean, out of out of high school, he is a guy though that could step in day one and and help set the edge. Uh, I think he'll play early. Uh, I, he's got the mentality too that's gonna that's gonna succeed under Garner. That was a huge huge win um, for Ronnie Garner. And then the other one was a huge uh, was a surprise, but for a different reason. Uh, Brendan Coffey. Uh, junior college, uh, three-star junior college offensive tackle. Hey, um, we'll take all the offensive linemen you can get. At seven, yeah, seven offensive yeah. linemen. Uh, he was he was all Auburn. He loved Auburn, and everyone expected him to be in the class in the summer. And then uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but I'm going to go for it. Uh, Killian Zaire, uh, the German native, uh, who's considered the number one offensive tackle. Uh, we'll check with Carol on that one. Yeah, yeah, you have to Killian Zaire. Uh, uh, number one Juco uh, everyone thought was going to UCLA uh, committed to Auburn out of the blue and so all of a sudden Auburn didn't have a spot anymore for Brendan Coffey but uh, I'll touch on this here in just a minute there's there's a chance that there's some attrition to this class currently on the offensive line namely uh, Javion Cohen the I probably butchered that name as well uh, four-star offensive tackle and then uh, Jonathan Booski Auburn's other Juco defensive tackle he was oh, supposed to graduate. Uh, Auburn Twitter favorite. Yeah, he was supposed to graduate in in December, but is now going to be graduating in the spring. And so, whenever a JUCO guy starts having grade concerns, your coaches get a little nervous. So, uh, you you throw all that together with the fact that Coffee wanted to come to Auburn. He's the number two JUCO offensive tackle in the country and has put together an outstanding. Uh, you watch his tape between last year and this year, and there's there's a noticeable difference. 
And he's a guy that could honestly slide inside too if Auburn wanted to play him in the guard, but they have a bazillion cards. So they probably won't need that. Uh, so, yeah, so Auburn has seven seven offensive line commits right now, three JUCOs, number one, number two, and number seven offensive tackles. So, uh, but I think it's highly likely that Auburn ends up with six offensive line commits. Who, between those two, leave the class? I don't know yet, um, but we'll see. Numbers typically work out, but that was that was a surprise, but I think I saw a pickup. So, so um, our, who, who else are we looking at with uh, about a month to go? So a little less than a month to go before early signing period. Uh, who, who are the top targets on the board? Yeah. So right now Auburn's got 20 commits. Uh, we'll, we're just going to assume that everybody's in the class will stay in the class, uh, which, you know, we'll, we'll see. But uh, the number, you know, pinning down how many, uh, how many spots a team actually has is very hard to do. Coaching staffs don't like that number to get out because other teams can use it against them. Uh, Gus Malzahn typically likes to keep a spot or two open for grad transfers. So, uh, most people are operating in the assumption that Auburn will take 25. So that means there's about five spots left, uh, with the big, the big, other big change that's happened with Joey Gatewood transferring out, Auburn is definitely going to try and take a second quarterback. So they have, uh, currently they have Kyle, uh, Garnett who has, has been okay his senior year. Uh, he's a guy that's, honestly a Malik Willis type of prospect. He's a guy that's going to be two to three years before he'd have a chance to compete. So Auburn's definitely going to want with cord and him, they're going to want someone else in there too, just to provide competition. The the, the most popular one is once again, it's Gus Malzahn versus Mac Brown is uh, Jacoby Criswell. He's, he's from the state of Arkansas, current commit to North Carolina. He's expected to take an official visit to Auburn. Auburn has been honest with him the whole process and the fact that if Joey Gatewood leaves, we will offer you and you will become a top target for us. And so that's helped. That's paid off for them. Now, whether or not they can steal the deal, we'll see. Uh, there's also uh, two other names to keep an eye on. Uh, Chad Morris's son, Chandler Morris, is a uh, was an Arkansas commit, obviously is no longer an Arkansas commit. <laughs> uh, so, so Chad Morris can't be an assistant for us next year then, right? Is that, is that the way I'm hearing it? Can we, be, uh, can we get him to be an off-field no, he could be. Violation? No, he. Uh, he's not actually technically the high school. He wasn't their high school coach, so you can hire him with no problem. Won't True. have any effect on the high school. So he's someone that I expect to see official visit. And the the sneaky one to watch is uh, Florida State's quarterback, uh, four star commit Jeff Sims, who would be, in, of this group, the most ready to possibly step in if something were to happen to Bo Nix. But we'll see what happens with Florida State's. But that's one. It would not at all surprise me if he were to come to campus. So. Auburn Is he part of the Sims quarterback family? I don't think so, but I actually have no idea. But I feel like it would have come up by now. If yeah, it did. thinking of but Matt Sims and Chris Sims. No, 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 no. I can I can guarantee you he's not of that uh, <laughs> that bloodline. Uh, yeah. So one spot will go to the quarterback, and the another the other offensive spot they're looking to fill is tight end because you just got to keep feeding that ball to the tight end. And they got more mouths, you know. They gotta, they gotta keep that position well stocked. Uh, but the guy that the guy to watch is uh, JJ Pegues. He was on campus for an official visit this past weekend. He's had Auburn as his leader for it feels like eternity. Uh, but this is one of those that I think Alabama is one you have to watch. He, he's he's down to Auburn, Alabama, and Ole Miss. I think if it comes down to Auburn and Ole Miss, he goes Auburn. But you just never know with Alabama. He's still got to take official visits to, to Tuscaloosa and Oxford. As of now, Auburn feels pretty good. He's out of Mississippi. 
uh, really, he's one of the most unique athletes you'll see. He's like 6'2", 260 pounds. Uh, it's, it's absurd watching him play, but he's fast. He's a nimble athlete. He can actually fill the, uh, that role of being a hybrid fullback slash tight end lineup as a wing so, back one play, go in line the next. But we'll see. Charles Clay type that we're supposedly yeah, going to have? Yeah, yeah. He'll join Harold Joyner. We can run some some double Charles Clay sets. Uh, but yeah, no, he's a very, very talented athlete. That would be a, that would be a big pickup for Auburn. I think he'd have I think he would have a chance at finding a role, especially with JJ Wilson and and Spencer Nye leaving of 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 maybe even being a rotational piece, but possibly finding his way onto the field. So those are two spots. So now you've got like, you know, right now three. If another lineman leaves, maybe four. Uh, those spots are going to go to you have at least one more defensive lineman, possibly a Juco. That spot could go Juco because Auburn's going to look for someone that can step in immediately. I've seen a lot of different names there, including a guy named Yeye. So uh, definitely, we'll, definitely hoping he lands the job. But there's there's a lot of different guys, Latrell Blankston, um, uh, Marquise Burks. Those are those are some names I've seen floated out from the Juco standpoint. Auburn's still pursuing a lot of top tier uh, blue chip underclass linemen, guys like um, McKinley Jackson from Mississippi, who was, who was on campus for an unofficial this past weekend. You've got uh, Dallas Walker, who's a three-star out of the state of Tennessee, currently committed to Texas A&M. Um, Auburn's per- still pursuing Georgia commits. Uh, Warren Brinson, four-star. Um, Nazir Stackhouse, four-star. I don't see either one of them flipping, but Auburn's going to try to get them on for official visits. So there's a lot of there's a there's there's about ten different names on the defensive line. It'll be interesting to see who they end up with. The 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 other spot is Auburn will be looking for a buck, um, and the the guy they want. Is, we just have like eight of those guys. Yeah, but uh, you look at them now. Uh, uh, the uh, with Richard Juvenor transferring out, Colby Wooden kind of growing into probably going to be more of a, a strong side defensive end. I think they're just constantly trying to bring in a pass rusher but the guy to watch there's philip webb uh he's a top 50 player he's a guy that could be a borderline five-star player uh lsu is gonna be tough to beat they're they're uh they're the hot name right now in all things not just not just winning on the field it's turning into recruiting edo can recruit anyway and now that he's actually winning he's gonna be even tougher to beat so that's one to watch uh and then after that auburn also still wants a defensive back and just like defensive line there's a lot of different names there Brian George is one of the top Juco cornerbacks was a guy Auburn thought they were close to landing, but it's kind of gone silent. No one really knows what's going on with his commitment recruitment. There's another guy from New Jersey. I'm not even going to, well, I, all right, I'm going to attempt his name. It's like Emmanuel Apia. Uh, I probably butchered that. He has something like not eight or nine interceptions in eight games. It's an, uh, he's been insane ball hawk. His recruitment has so been on the radar. Be yeah, I don't think he's even ranked right now. Uh, he's been under the radar. Tennessee recently offered, so his offers are Rutgers, Auburn, and Tennessee. Uh, I expect his recruitment, though, to blow up as teams miss on underclassmen and turn to Juco here at the end. But he's a guy that will be on campus very soon. There's some underclassmen Auburn's looking at. Former Texas commit, Ethan Pouncey. He was a guy Auburn was really high on. I actually thought they might lead for till he committed to Texas, but he might be a package deal with his brother, Jordan, who's graduating, graduate transferring out of. Uh, I don't, I don't actually know if he's a graduate. He's in the transfer portal. He entered the portal uh, from Texas, but I don't know if Auburn would take him. So that'll be interesting to see. There's still Kendall Dennis. 
four-star cornerback. Uh, Joel Williams is a new name to watch. I mean, there's a lot of different names. There's there's about 30 different names to keep an eye on for such a small spot. So it's going to be a very interesting finish. How many guys can Auburn pull in here at, at signing day? The good news is, I touched on this, I think, last time, but this go-around, Auburn sits in a much better spot because they've got the number – with this early signing period – 80% of the of the kids are going to sign. The, the the pool is going to drop dramatically, so you don't want to be in a spot where you need five to six people. I think chances are good Auburn's going to head in the spring with one to two spots to fill, and that's where you want to be. So despite all of the ruckus off the off the field and despite all of the uh, concerns about Gus Malzahn's ability to lead this program into the future, his sales pitch is still resounding with most recruits, and I expect Auburn to sign a, another top 10 class and, and bring in another really good – uh, a signing class. So I think I, I think I covered almost all in that ramble. So hopefully. Isn't it so much easier to just, just get it all out at once. instead of having to write an article. I know it really is. So, <laughs> so yeah. Ho- yeah. Hopefully uh, we should get a better picture the next two weeks or next three weeks. Auburn's going to host a lot of official visits after the season's over. They prefer to have kids take official visits, not on game day. So they can spend a lot of time with them. So we need to start gonna- taking them to football games now or to basketball games now. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I imagine they'll try to, uh, although I don't know if Auburn's got many home games for a while. Um, that's the, uh, an annoying the, thing, lack of home games. Maybe the Furman game might be a good, I don't know, that yeah. might be a weeknight game. I'm not sure. It's a Thursday night game. I'll yeah. be in town. Of course. There we yes. go, Will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I think, like I said, I think Auburn will has a good shot. You know, they've got a lot of really good kids on board already. They just they really need to close on defensive line. If they can close on someone like a Philip Webb to go with Pegues, uh and and get another solid defensive line, this is this class hits on all of the all of the things they needed to hit on. So that's where you want to be. All right, we are right at an hour. I think that's a yeah. nice even number. Uh, pretty good episode length. Um, well, you guys got anything else? Now just uh, speak, beat Bama in two weeks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there. So I'm gonna, I need, I need some, I need some Auburn football happiness in my life, Gus. Well, at the very least, we'll be, uh, we'll be tailgating for it. Yeah, there you go. I'll be there in <laughs> spirit. But, uh, oh, yeah. kills me, Will. <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm hoping, yeah. I hope, I'm hoping we don't get too serious of uh, basketball withdrawals over this next week. <sighs> I'm already there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, we will probably do this again soon, uh, whenever we get some more recruiting news. Uh, probably around signing day, at the very latest. Um, so th- these aren't going to replace our regular me crow in chief episodes, uh, but maybe we're kind of hoping to add this as a bonus. Uh, we know you guys like recruiting, so we're pandering without a doubt. <laughs> uh, and does uh. As Chief always says, bonos. <laughs>